0: You're listening to the best of the day. I say you, the best. Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff.
1: tagging coming down the line young with a good throw the play at the plate in time to get the out
2: you know you never know there's way the game goes you know a lot, a lot of different ways to where you know crazy shit happens and you get into the 11th inning and that spot comes up and you want Kirkie at the plate
0: congratulations you played
2: yourself
1: good morning vancouver 601 on a wednesday it is Halford. it is bruff it is sportsnet 650 we are coming to you live From the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie. good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Alfred and Brother of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by Johnstone's Barbecues. You don't pay more to shop with the experts at Johnstone's Barbecues. They're open five days a week with two locations to serve you. Visit them online at Johnstone's. Com. We have a very big show ahead on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. It's going to begin at 6.30 with Peter Galindo. Not just our soccer analyst from Sportsnet, he was previously a member, or may still be in the future,
2: a performance analyst. That was his official title. Performance analyst. For right. Canada Soccer. Oh, under for soccer. Okay, just not, not everything? Just soccer. Okay. Specifically gotcha. soccer.
1: Even more specifically he worked under John Herdman. John Herdman actually brought him aboard the Canadian soccer team, and now John Herdman, of course, is gone. So we'll talk to Peter Galindo about his time working with the program. What comes next? What's next for John? All that stuff. Peter Galindo he, at six thirty. Is, is he going to give us any juicy details? I'm going to ask, <laughs> but I'm going to I'm going to reserve the right because we're friends. Full disclosure: Peter and I are friends. We go for breakfast quite often. I'm going to reserve and allow him the right. To plead the fifth, even though it's not the right terminology for radio.
2: Well, I don't go to breakfast with Peter, so I, I, I'm going to ask him what was it like to work in such a fractured dressing room. That's a
1: that's a legal <laughs> entanglement that I can get out of. I can just be like, defer to Bruff. I'm like Bruff's going to be
2: a jerk. Did you see the Whitecaps players? Uh, uh, um, who Sam was Atticubi. it? Yeah, and and shot Richie, back, and Richie Lorea to to a lesser degree shot back on the notion that. Uh, uh, the the dressing room was fractured. Um, Adekube, it sounded like he was pretty upset, actually, about Herdman taking the TFC job, probably for a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. Maybe those guys don't exactly love TFC, and also, um, you know, Herdman did a lot for their careers.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, we t- I said it yesterday. I know we got to move this thing along here, but that window of where they qualified for the World Cup, I mean, everyone should be walking away from that with, one, really fond memories, but two, a lot of respect and admiration for what Herdman did. Yes. Like, without question. So, 630, Peter Galindo is going to join us to talk about all that. 7 o'clock, Nick Shook from NFL.com is going to join us. Yesterday was NFL Cutdown Day. Jonathan Trailer, Taylor, not Traylor. That's a different guy entirely. Uh, Jonathan Taylor did I get traded from Indianapolis. I have no idea what's going on uh, with the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> I have no idea. They put Kyler Murray on the pup list, so he can't play the first four games of the year. Is he with Jonathan Taylor on the pup list? He is. There's a couple pups. There are just a couple pups. Nice. Okay. Pupping it out. Yeah. And uh, they released Colt McCoy, who was the guy that came in for Kyler Murray last year. So I only care because they play the Seahawks twice this year. And if the Seahawks can get him early when Kyler Murray is pupped and Colt McCoy is unemployed, it could be good for the Seahawks. Who's the quarterback again? I believe it is Josh Dobbs. But there's also... Oh, right, right. Lou Dobbs' son. Lou Dobbs' son. Yeah. Right. Uh, There is also another guy. I think it's a rookie named Clayton Toon. T-U-N-E. But I'm guessing. I wonder if they called the Jags about Nathan Rourke. I'm wondering as well.
2: Because I think we find that out. Farhan was saying that there were a couple of teams that that showed interest. Mm -hmm. But he was like, uh, active roster spots are hard to come by. So maybe it was those teams reaching out and being like, come to our team. On the practice roster.
1: I imagine we'll hear something on the future of Nathan Rourke today or tomorrow. Because there's a window in which you're on the waivers. And then maybe you get claimed by somebody off the waivers. So we'll talk to Nick Shook about that at 7 o'clock. 7.30, Doug Smith, uh, NBA basketball FIBA writer for the Toronto Star. Uh, We'll talk about this Canadian team that has really, really shown out through the first three games of the 2023 FIBA World Cup in Jakarta. Very impressive win yesterday over Latvia. Did you see... The head coach, Jordy Fernandez, swearing at his guys in the first quarter when they got off to such a slow start. Yeah. I he lit that. into him, yeah. And then he dropped an Alanis Morissette reference in the postgame presser. We'll talk about all that with Doug Smith at 7.30. 8 o'clock, it's the Drancer. You know him, Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. So it's uh, a lot to get into. Drance at 8, Doug Smith at 7.30, Nick Shook at 7, Peter Galindo at 6.30. That's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened.
0: Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was. We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed, you missed
1: that? What happened? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. There were no huge stories that popped to the surface yesterday, but the Jays led the way with a gut-punch loss. 5-4 on Tuesday night to the Washington Nationals, a game in which the Jays dropped to 3.5 back of Houston for the final AL wild card spot, and a game in also which John Schneider came under some serious scrutiny for his managing of pinch runners specifically, not managing Alejandro Kirk. We can
2: get into that in a second. Your takeaways, Jason. Uh, well, watching the game, I did have this thought in my head that if I was one of these um, types of media guys that just goes on and and yells and has hot takes, which I guess I kind of am, my hot take would be like we could look back if the Jays missed the playoffs on a game like that and be like that's where they officially lost it, Mm. right? I don't know if I believe that. Like there's still time and there's still some easy teams for them to play, but – um, you know, maybe maybe this will be – remember when Petey had rock bottom in Carolina and then he bounced back? Maybe this will be rock bottom for the Toronto Blue Jays. At least they better hope it is because yesterday had all sorts of bad news, right? Like Bichette was put on the 10-day injured list. That's bad. Uh, along with Chapman. So even though the Jays' schedule um, is kind of easy in terms of their opponents over the next, I don't know, couple of weeks – um, the, the team is, the team is really struggling right now and they're missing a, a, a few key regulars and yesterday's game for a number of reasons, as you mentioned, was a serious gut punch, mm-hmm. right? N- not only is John Schneider under all sorts of scrutiny for his decision not to pinch run one of the slowest runners in the league when he was at third and the Jays were down a couple of runs and then he comes out John Schneider and says, Well, if it was the tying run, I would have pinch run, but we were down by two. Um, I don't do that. And then Sportsnet stats comes out with like, he's done it twice already this season, right? It wasn't great that part. He did not look good. Um but for me, the the big thing was not John Schneider. It was this team that cannot Ever it seems come up with the big hit. They had bases loaded, mm-hmm. nobody out in the ninth inning, needing two runs, and all they got was one. Yep. Schneider uh was up there, he struck out like the last thing you want to do in that situation. Well, I guess hitting into a double play would be worse. It would be worse. And then Vladdy got one home with a ground ball and then Danny Jansen i think flew out or something like that it was i think that's the way it fouled went. out fouled out right <laughs> it was <laughs> the, the way greg said it was like, look on his f- fouled the worst out worst little brother of flying out fouled yeah. out so um you know it it's it doesn't look good right now and i know everyone and, and rightly so is the the big thing after the game was was john schneider's decision not to pinch run kirk but like overall overall if we're talking about the big issue with this Jays team and i don't know if the reason is that's baseball or if there's something else at play here they are horrible with runners in scoring position risp
1: it's called risp risp runners yeah, yeah, yeah. in scoring position like, they were 1 for 11 with risp i'm going to stop saying and i that. think I'm they're i think they're
2: i think they're below the mendoza line with the base is loaded. 198. Sorry, one, one, 198, 198, right? Yeah. Sportsnet stats always comes up with like these, uh, and that's like a Twitter account. Uh X X, co- Always, uh, yes, always comes out with these like devastating stats for the Jays <laughs> with runners in scoring positions. Like, it's the worst in the league? It's the worst in franchise history. So, yeah. They should I, try uh, not
3: being the worst, and then you wouldn't see those stats pop up. <laughs>
2: absolutely. Well, John Schneider too. Like, And then I won't get like, the, the problem for that people will say about John Schneider is like, it's like, you know, your team is terrible um, with runners in scoring position. You know the offense has struggled at times. So in a situation like that, you might have to manufacture runs a little bit. So get the pinch runner out for Kirk and just try and get the run home. Um, now he pushed back basically and said like, well, you know, I might want to keep keep Kirk in the lineup. What if the game goes to extras, Right. And I don't know, like even when you when you're taking when when Jerry D is ripping you on Twitter, which he was <laughs> yesterday, he's he's had some tweet like the highest level of baseball I ever played was beer league, and even I know you pinch run for Kirk in that situation. This might be the game people look back on John Schneider and go, mm, is he the right guy for the Jays
3: going well, what, forward? What's frustrating to me as a Jays fan is the fact that even his explanation hasn't been the way he's consistently managed it. Right. Even this week, right? he took Davis Schneider out of a game for a pinch runner, Kiermaier, like three games ago. And then Schneider's spot came up in the order later <laughs> in the game and they didn't have his bat. And now he does this and explains it, that that's the way he's always been doing it, which has not been the case.
2: But did, it, did that time, when he didn't have Schneider's bat, did that time hurt Yes. Him? Well, maybe that's why he did it then. Maybe if he's, Maybe if that he's was making
3: decisions decision. based on being gun shy after something that happened three games ago. Then that's not good. If you good make, it, if if you make a season. decision
1: because you're gun shy and then your explanation for it is that you always do it that way. It feels like you're floundering. Feels like you're making it up as you go along. And I think
2: that's one of the issues. I mean, he has a lot on his plate right now, right? Like there's a lot of guys out of the lineup. There's guy, and and he was explaining that. Right Now, I don't know if that made him look good, where he's like, i got to think about a lot of stuff, and mm-hmm. I didn't think about this one. Welcome to managing baseball. You have to manage a lot of different things.
1: I didn't That's think of a very manager. real
3: thing that could have happened. Even he said, oh, who would have thought there would have been a short fly ball in this? What if there was a chopper up the middle? You need speed on third to possibly score yeah. that run. So there was multiple scenarios where they could hey, have needed speed from that, the that spot. the most fired up I've ever heard. Well, Laddie. I
2: was actually <laughs> just going to say, I was going to say, hey, Halford, have you noticed that Laddie has gone from you know halfway through the season lots of time left no panic and laddie no anger i'm sensing either anger panic or a bit of both
3: i haven't gone full new york media yet but it but close. like you're starting to
2: lose it on this team right <laughs> well Although, yeah like you'd, you'd what do you like watching these games do i like
3: watching these no games? no no what are you like are what you am yelling I like at the tv these games? Uh, I, I don't actively watch a lot of it because <laughs> it's so frustrating. Right. I just right. have it on in the background. Are you in the fetal position? the entire time? No, it's <laughs> not too even long at that point. It too, long. Long it too long for long. that. Yeah. Like yeah. Long. Your back starts to hurt. <laughs> yeah. Just rocking
1: back and forth. So they've got, look, if they're going to turn this around, it pretty much has to be now because what they have to do is rack up wins against Colorado and Oakland and Kansas City, which are their next three series. Because they're going into the final stretch of the season, where they're probably not going to play anything better than 500 baseball, because it's all against good teams, and more, you know, importantly for them, it's all within the division where they've stunk all year. So I'm not joking; they need to go on like a 10 game winning streak here. They do. Every other team, they need to get really hot, like 10 or or like eight out of 10. They've
3: had one six game winning streak. This
1: yeah. So a lot of people have pointed out that they don't have their season defining win streak like a lot of the other top teams in the American League have. So you're like, well, now's the time to do it. You were going up against three teams, which kind of stink, although Oakland beat Seattle last night. And you just have to run the table here. Now they've got to do it, maybe without Bichette, maybe without Chapman. There's
2: no Manoa.
3: Starting pitching is starting to waver a little bit, it looks like. What is
2: the long-term outlook for Bichette and Chapman, are, th- are they being pretty tight-lipped about that? Yeah. Manager John Schneider called Bichette's strain mild and said
1: the two-time AL hits leader won't participate in baseball activities for at least a couple of days, but he said he might be ready to play again as soon as the 10 days on the 10 days.:, okay. uh, aisle are up. So it's not a, like a season-ending injury or anything. Right. He will be back. But at this point, when he gets back, they could be out. Um,
3: ten? Missing we, 10 days at this point in the year, though, is
1: crucial. Huge, right? Especially when you need to go win all these games against the Rockies and the A's and. The and Royals. Ernie
3: Clement is your replacement.
1: <laughs> Not Ernie,
3: love Ernie, <laughs> but come on,
1: we don't get enough Ernies in sports these days. Um, in you want to? So there was a. I'm hesitant to call it Canucks news, but there was Canucks-related activity and development yesterday. Uh, one of our favorite agents, really our favorite agent, and the, quite frankly, the Canucks' favorite agent, Dan Milstein went on a local podcast yesterday and had a funny reaction when asked about his, uh, his client, Andre Kuzmenko, specifically the training regime that Kuzmenko went on this summer and, I think more importantly, documented quite thoroughly on social media. Like, it wasn't just that Kuzmenko went to all these exotic locales, including Bali. It's that there were constant video updates of him working out while on vacation. Now, a lot of people, I think, were kind of intrigued by it. I know I was. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. He's lifting up blocks of wood, and he's running upstairs, and he's doing all these sorts of unique, I classified them as unique, workout sessions. But uh, according to Milstein, uh, the Canucks were none too enamored with the decision. He said that they were kind of freaking out about it. Uh, Yeah, he said uh, they weren't having it. Was that it? Was that their their quote? They weren't having it at first, and then he said he heard from the head coach. We heard from everybody. Maybe, perhaps, from the janitor too. That was the quote. And then he said everyone has to take a chill pill, which I have not heard in like fifteen years. No one has told me to take a chill pill in a long time. Is that did that
2: saying just get to Russia or something like that? Maybe everyone, everyone's walking around saying you got to take a chill pill. Yeah, it's like when McDonald's guy got, got, finally got there <laughs> and blue <Right>? jeans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want. I'm really curious to see what. Uh, Kuzmenko's season is like for, for a number of reasons, and this doesn't really lead the way. We can talk to Dranser about this. Actually, Dranser's gone on about this a little too much anyway, so uh, I know he's thinking about it, right? Like he's talking about regression for Kuzmenko because he produced at such a high uh, shooting percentage yeah. this year. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of discussion in this market about whether they should sign Kuzmenko or they should trade him. I had no issue with the contract. That they gave him. I would have been hesitant if they were talking about a long term deal, mm-hmm. um, but I think he's still got value uh, with that contract. But he's got to perform. And I'm not saying he shouldn't have done this trip, right? Like it's his life. He did it. He had a really good season and he wants to go see the world. I've got no problem with that. If he truly has taken care of the conditioning side of things if he does show up in fantastic shape. And I'm not just talking about okay shape. And this goes for the rest of the team. It has to be really good shape because if, if there's even questions about your fitness, then you haven't done your job. Sure. Like, and and there's no way they can be like, were we, were we supposed to show up in really good shape? I I, I did not get that memo. I'm, I'm sorry. Was there an email? Like Rick Tockett has basically been walking around with a sign Going, like, you know that guy on Instagram that holds up the sign? You know, the sign guy. Have you seen him? I... He he's just, like, holds up a sign that says, like, I don't know, like, guacamole is overrated or something. He stands in oh. in New York. Okay, uh, you haven't seen that. I haven't, okay. se- I haven't seen this particular Rick Rick talk could just have a sign that'd be like, show up to training camp in shape. Right. Right? He, like, he, could he, wear, is, he could wear it around his neck. Yeah, yeah. He could no, have no, holds board. it. Up. He just goes he stays out he, the, the 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 sign guy in New York, uh I don't know if they call him the sign guy. Uh he just holds up the sign and he just stands there as people walk by. Right. Right?
1: And that would be Rick Tocket in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And Rick Tocket would be like, show up to training camp in shape. And he's basically said a number of times, like, Hey, I don't know if you guys noticed, but we didn't make the playoffs. So you've got four months. get in shape. Now Kuzmenko and again I do not hold this against him he went on a bit of a world trip and he went to Bali I think that was where he set up shop for uh, quite a bit of time this summer and like you said they were sure to show everyone Mm -hmm. that he was finding ways to stay in shape and they found him some ice to skate on which probably isn't easy in Bali but they found it, and he's managed to, according to them, stay in shape. But you know that if Kuzmenko shows up, and <laughs> even if like fitness isn't an issue, like even if he's just a little bit off, people are going to be like, maybe you shouldn't have been traveling around the world this summer. Maybe you should have been focusing I mean, on this is one your of the, job. Yeah. Like this is I know but, what you're but, saying, but this is the risk he took, right? Like again, I, hey, if he shows up and he plays great great. You know, and if you truly believe that you're taking care of everything that you need to in order to be ready to show up for a very important training camp and a very important start to the season with the team that just rewarded you with a new big, big big-ish contract in terms of the cap hit, maybe not long, but that was your choice. Don't forget, that was your choice to go short. Um, then if you don't play well, the knives are ready to come out, and they're right there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, on a personal level, I, I, have a, I feel weird and have a problem and don't like this line of criticism. Like, whatever, man. It's your life. Do what you want to do. There's a, um, an offshoot conversation to be had about, I don't think you needed to put any of this out there for public consumption because I don't think any, there's any good to be gained. Period. That's that's just my personal opinion though. Like I don't I don't, I have nothing on to social put,
2: to put it out there.
1: Yeah, to put anything out anywhere well, for think anybody to consume. This well, is a, just a general rule. Yeah, across but, that, the board. but that's for you. Yeah. but
2: but I think their concern was like, okay, people are going to find out about this trip, and we might as well. Um, no, I I kind of agree with you. Right? Yeah, I'm just like, throwing oh, my shoulders. To Bali, he, he went to Bali. Me. Who yeah. cares?
1: He made he made a lot of money last year. He scored 39 goals in his first year in the NHL. Yeah, I'd kick back and like pat myself on the back a little bit too. And if you come back and you're not in shape, have that conversation then. And maybe it's a lesson learned. I don't know. Or the flip side of it is, is that he could be completely like ripped and jacked and in the best shape of his life. These All these things are on the table. But I think the one takeaway that you should have from this is that the Canucks reached out and were like, we don't like this. Like they have not made any subtleties about what's going on next year. Right? And this is across the board. You hear Alvin talk about it, and you hear Talkett talk about it. Pedersen, I think a lot of the contractual conversations that have been had, we really should have been hyper-focused on the fact that everyone has a ton invested in a really good start to the year, a year in which they don't crater, and a year in which they make the playoffs. And that's, I mean, they are taking this very seriously. Very serious. I think everyone realizes that there's not a lot of margin for error because another really bad year, then you start to ask really big picture questions. Is there something fundamentally wrong with the core? Is this team ever going to get it right? Have we invested in guys that know what it takes to win? I mean, it is across the board. So something as innocuous as uh, wrestling an elephant in Bali to work out (laughs) Fine as <laughs> it may seem on social media, the team yeah. is like, hey, we're watching you.
2: We're watching you. Most yeah. of these are putting we, out. There, we didn't want you to do this. Yeah, but we're you watching you. You did it. You That's said all. you'd be fine. You'd better be fine. And Rick Taco would be like, did you eat the elephant? Small bites. <laughs> Small bites. Small uh, bites. Peter Galindo is going to join us next. We'll talk about John Herdman's decision to step away from uh, coaching the Canadian men's national team to take the TFC job. And John Herdman said, this is the time you feel that in your gut. You feel that in your heart. This is the time to step off. Now, I think clearly the job had taken its toll on Herdman from the issues with Soccer Canada to some of the criticisms that he received for the World Cup performance over in Qatar to the post-World Cup criticisms that people had of Herdman, and then he had again for Canada soccer. Um, he coached the men from 2018 to 2023. Mm-hmm. So he did have a decently long run. There are probably people out there that don't really know the expected um, tenure that most national team coaches have, It's not very long.
1: Most it's four years. Like, mostly it's,
2: yeah, it's mostly it's like one World Cup cycle. Yep. Um, And especially given the history of Canada's program, you're lucky if you last two years. um, Even successful national programs typically have plenty of turnover. The Argentinian manager, who's still there, by the way, he started the same time that Herdman did, right? Yeah. England um, has had all sorts of turnover. And and there's lots of people that think that Gareth Southgate should be replaced. Um, so if I were in Herdman's shoes and we can get into this with Peter, but if I were in Herdman's shoes, I would have been weighing my options too. You don't want to wear your welcome. And all of a sudden you're not such a hot commodity anymore. He pounced on the TFC opportunity. And I imagine TFC, um, was pretty aggressive in how they contacted him. And I'd be curious to know what he makes at TFC compared to what he was making with the Canadian job. Um, but his decision to leave, despite all this, certainly leaves doesn't leave me feeling great about Canada's prospects going forward. Just that he was willing to walk away from the opportunity to coach a World Cup at home. Now, we're gonna get to Peter in just a sec, but I I, I did want to say this. To Herdman's credit, it's not like he left Canada high and dry. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's three years To the World Cup. There's plenty of time to hire a new manager and get ready for Copa America next summer and then the World Cup three years from now. There's plenty of time. Sure. This is on Canada Soccer now to find the right person to replace Herdman.
0: This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. You Halford and Bruff.
2: What we just have to call Thomas Grant's Erotica. Thomas Trans Erotica.
3: Of course.
2: Thomas Trans erotica. erotica.
3: Expect. Goals.
2: Thomas. Trans. Erotica.
1: Dog. Model.
2: Thomas. Trans. Erotica.
1: 802 on a Wednesday. Just when you think it couldn't get any more sultry in here. This happens. Oh, yeah. You are listening to the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff, of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. That intro music can only mean one thing. It's sultry in here. Also, it's Thomas Trance coming up on the show. Uh, hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound, real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet
2: at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. I love the arguments that we can have on this show. Mm-hmm. Like It's getting like nasty in the inbox now over yeah. Canada's like, number two sport behind hockey. Yeah. Some guy's is re- like, he's like, it's for- golf. It's golf. I'm like,
1: it's not golf. It's not golf. It's not golf. It's, not golf. it's an opinion-based uh, argument, so you can't be wrong, yet somehow you are. Yeah. It's not golf.
2: Like on the men's side, uh, I can think of like five or six countries that produce better golfers than Canada. On the women's side, I was just like U.S. and Korea, like they're well above.
1: Maybe, maybe the listener doesn't fully understand. Like, for example, Shea Gilgis Alexander. He's not just a pretty good basketball player. He was all NBA first team. That means that the people that yeah. watched the league said he is one of the five best players in it this year. granted mm-hmm. it's positional but still five best He's Canadian.
2: Was like, Jamal Murray good and he's not even on this team Jamal Murray yeah. won
1: an NBA championship
2: <laughs> it was like you a big know, part of it too. It was
1: like the second best player on his team. yeah granted he had the Joker with him but I digress I did' it's not it's not golf. It's basketball. And it's not and it's tennis. Not- Certainly not right now. No. It's basketball. It's not even particularly close, I would say. All due respect to you, I don't know who this guy is, but he also came with a freestyle scheme. to which I'll say, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. Thomas Drance from The Athletic joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drancer? I'm reminded
0: of those kids and that, like, very Jonathan Lipnicky from Jerry Maguire tone being like, you know, the national sport of Canada is actually lacrosse.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Congratulations like, to, oh, the to the new Westminster salmon, salmon bellies, by the way.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Oh, and no, there, there's another one, too. Oh, the Ladner Pioneers. They're currently reckoned <laughs> at the Senior B Lacrosse National Championship. Coach Newman texted that one in. I don't know if Love he's the that. coach of the team or not, but anyway, we feel, I feels like we're getting slightly off topic, which is on brand for the show, but again, focus, focus, focus. Uh, let's focus on Andre Kuzmenko. Would you like to weigh in on the drama question mark surrounding his off season?
0: <laughs> um, all I'll say is it's not a surprise that hockey people would look askance at, uh, a summer in Bali. Um, not a surprise to me in the slightest, you know, this is a very conformist sport from from a cultural perspective and doing something really interesting like having the world's coolest looking summer uh, based on his IG story anyway, tends to cause some eyebrows to furrow. I mean this you know, this is an organization that didn't love like Bo Horvat and Luke Shen working with Adam Oates. So summering in Bali would, would obviously trigger some concern. Um, I'm rooting for him to just absolutely destroy it because I think NHL players should be doing more fun stuff in the summer in tropical locales for extended periods of time. I think it's great. Uh, so I really hope that the precedent set here is, wow, you can pull that off. Great. Awesome. Love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would be, I think it'd be good for everybody involved in the game. If Kuzmenko has a great start Um so yeah, I'm just, more than anything, I don't, I don't really have a take. I don't think it's like a big deal, you know what I mean? I just think it's hey, you, didn't, you know we would have preferred if you were in you know West Kelowna <laughs> working out at rink every day, right? Um, but uh, but you know more than anything, I'm I'm hoping that this model that this travel the world and be the world's most interesting person and you know audition for Dos Equis pitch pitchman mm-hmm. summer that that Kuzmenko has had uh, works out.
2: You you know what's going to happen though, Drans. We all know what's going to happen. He's not going to yeah, score. Gonna start
0: slow. Yeah, it's going to be regression. Yes, it's like oh wow, he couldn't possibly shoot twenty nine percent for the rest of his life. Like, and then people are going to be like, well, it was the summer, and yeah. it's like no, like it's unreasonable to expect this guy to continue to score at this pace based on you know his underlying profile. But he's still going to be good. Like that's the thing. Like regression will hit Kuzmenko. He's still going to be good.
2: He still has improvement. Though, like there, there, there's still improvement to be had in his overall game. Two-way game, no yeah, question. Yeah, and I think um, that's going to be another thing that we kind of add to the pile. And I, I just think that this um, summer of his, and again, I would like to state for the record that I love that what he's doing too. And I and I yeah. hope he's successful because there's more to life than hockey. And when yep. you're young and you're able to travel the world and have those experiences, by all means, do it. But at the same time, I know what can happen sometimes, right? And yeah. if yeah. he gets criticized, and maybe from the organization as well, we've seen this organization not be afraid to criticize its own. Um, you know, it, 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 there is the potential for his summer to, let's say, muddy the situation?
0: Sure. I mean, you know, I do think when you consider how hockey players tend to spend their summers, right? Like, I'm sure it's not just management and coaches, right? Like, I'm sure there's some teammates. But one thing I note is, you know, from everything we've seen of Kuzmenko, especially in comparison with the photos we saw of his like documented move to Vancouver last summer, like this guy looks absolutely cut relative to his playing shape last year. You know, like there is absolutely a world where having had a season of pro hockey in the, in North America and understanding the pace of the NHL game, the length of shifts, you know, like the KHL in terms of like shift length and like the, the pace at which you have to play. Um, you know, it, it it almost looks like hockey fifteen years ago or twenty years ago, where guys take, you know, these shifts, you're not always necessarily skating at full tilt. You're playing some east west, right? Like it, it's it's a different game. And and I mean, I do still think regardless of where, you know, his um geolocation was set in the summer Like, there's also a world where this guy comes in and is in far better shape than he was last year, where he, like, really struggled during fitness drills at training camp and, you know, was absolutely the guy uh, bent over at the end of drills and stuff. So, I I mean, I I still think there's a world where his baseline fitness level is a lot higher coming into this season than it was coming into last season, and we all know how that turned out.
2: And we will call it the Bali method if if he's in shape. Uh, Dranser, I've been seeing some video floating around of Tanner Pearson skating out at UBC, and he looks pretty good. Um, what happens if he's healthy? Do the Canucks have to make a move
0: then? No. No. I mean, so people ignore, in my view, the most obvious solution, right? Which is there's this thought that, you know, in the wake of the pious suitor signing, the Canucks really need to shed salary with a transaction. And. They don't like they don't. They they can be cap compliant pretty easily with a full twenty three man ro- or sorry, not with a full twenty three man roster, right? But under the under the um, uh, salary cap, or like achieve you know that much ballyhooed compliance <laughs> that, that, that connects management's always touting,
2: um,
0: and and it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. You you have to cut one point oh two million in salary off of a one way guy. And roll with a 22-man roster. I mean, that's that's at least the way I model it, right? The Canucks have so many guys signed at that sort of veteran minimum. Usually, on most of them are on two-way deals, 775K. Um, that you know, in terms of how you exactly get it done, it's just that one guy doesn't make the team who's got a salary above one million, and there's lots of candidates, right? I mean, Niels Hoglander. Uh, you know, would be would be a standout candidate for me. Although I'd be surprised if that's the way it goes. I mean, Tanner Pearson would be the other candidate, right? Like the other most straightforward candidate. You know, just because a guy is healthy and no longer eligible to be on LTIR does not necessarily mean they're going to make the team, right? And and this is sort of what what I think people um, ignore here is you know, with Suter and Toe, I do think you've created an environment where. No one should feel particularly and, – and, and in some ways, like, no, I'm not talking about your D. Giuseppe, Dakota, Joshua here. It's, like, slightly higher up. The guys who are slightly higher paid, like, no one can take training camp for granted because the club's going to need to, to shed, you know, a, a million and a bit in salary if Pearson's not on LTI. Um, and, and Pearson himself may end up being that guy. I, I mean, frankly, like, when you draw out the lines – And think about what this team wants to do and how they want to be faster and on and on, uh, how they need penalty killers. I I mean, he would seem like one of the key candidates, um, you know, to to end up on waivers before the, you know, cut down deadline.
2: Um, It's kind of pointless in my experience trying to predict the Canucks opening day roster because injuries always happen in the preseason yep. like unexpected stuff happens but uh,
0: and that's actually the other thing about the the do they have to make another move it's like they have so much time and and no one gets through the preseason unscathed yeah
2: but I I do want to ask this general question um how hesitant would they be to put Hoaglander on waivers
0: I mean, I think very. I I don't think you'd have to, right? I mean, that's the thing. Like, even in a worst-case scenario, you end up doing a Ole Olevi style um, Riley Stillman-style, you know, right before the cut-down deadline trade. Yeah, Um, Hoaglander would still have cachet, especially at 1.1, especially given the fact that he was, like, really good in the NHL at the ages of 19 and 20. Um, You know, it's pretty rare to do that. Like, think about all the times that we talk about Canucks prospects, like Danila Klimovic or whatever. And it's like, well, he's too young for the AHL. Right. And it's like, Nils Hoaglander was like a 40 point guy, a uh, 40 point pace guy in the NHL at the age of 19. Right. I mean, that matters. That matters. So does the work rate. Right. So does the fact that this guy's, you know, um, a bat out of hell in terms of his battle level along the wall. So is the fact that he was the best player by a lot on the ice in the uh, HL Calder Cup playoffs last summer, last spring, right? I mean, that doesn't escape the notice of Pro Scouts. So uh, I I would say very, very low would be how I'd handicap the chances of Hoaglander ending up on waivers because he'd have cachet if it came to that. I don't think it's going to come to that. Um, This is, you know, you want to play North-South hockey? Like, if you want to play North-South hockey, this is your guy. It's, It's hard to come up with a sort of Canucks player who better suits the uh, stated way that Rick Tockett says he wants to play with wall guys and north-south hockey and on and on um, than Neil Holander, even though obviously there's still some gaps, some room for growth in his game, particularly in terms of like you know cutting off the top defensively and in- zone defensive awareness and puck management. Um, you know if, if he can take those steps, and those feel like teachable things relative to some of the other flaws a player could have, um, you know, that, I mean, I, I just think he's going to be completely fine.
2: Uh, Pod Colson. Mm. Yeah. Like, so he, unlike Hoaglander, he does not require waivers. So he could be sent down without the Canucks risking losing him. Uh, Mike and I well, have yeah, talked. Yeah. we. we <laughs> He he just, he, to me, like last season, we talked to Rick talking about this and he just wants to see a little more. I think he used the word like swagger in his game or just like take some chances out there. He seems so conservative and almost playing scared to make a mistake, which I get when you're a young player, because when you make a mistake, sometimes like Nils Hoglander is like, yeah, don't make mistakes. that That'll get you in trouble. Right. But like <laughs> there has to be some sort of happy medium that can be found where Pod Colson, Actually shows that he's willing to take on the game as opposed to just try and survive it.
0: yeah, and, and with Pod Colson in, in particular, clearly a thinker, right, um, which is good and bad. Uh, uh, you know this is also a guy, and I've said this a million times, and I'm going to keep saying it. This is also a guy whose you know, skill set in my view anyway, is is uh, like guaranteed to take a while as opposed to like a more, a a guy with a more offensive bent, you know, like I've never seen pod Colson as a guy and and I know he's got that like laser wrist shot and he's smart in terms of being a, a heads up player. So he can make some great passes. And I think it confuses people into thinking that this is a guy with like really high end skill. And I don't think he is. I think he's a guy who, when he fully arrives and is at the peak of his powers in the NHL is going to have, a little bit more of a subtle impact and a rare impact given his sort of size profile, you know, it's more of a two way thing. And, you know, you can't tell me uh, about an elite two way winger in the NHL. Who's under the age of 25. Like they just don't, they don't exist. Like it's really rare to have an elite two way winger. And when they sort of get there, you know, they're, they're like Ilya Mikheyev pre-injury was an elite two way winger. Right. And he, he didn't even play in the NHL till he was 24. And it was his second season that he really took off. Zach Hyman took forever. But but eventually, you know, in his mid-20s, it was like, wow, what a driver. Um, you know, Mark Stone w- was a little bit different. But, again, longer development path wasn't wasn't really who he is today until he was, you know, 23, 24, right? Like, these guys, when they have these profiles, when they're going to have this skill set, or or when they could have this skill set, it takes some time. It's the scoring forwards in the NHL who we sort of see come in and just fill the net or destroy it and look super dynamic. And and that sort of adjusts how we talk about aging curves and and where a guy's at. I do think Pod Colson's a guy who's going to take some time. Now, all that said, it's not like he hasn't been put in a position to think, right? Like this is one of the issues that you can run into. I think when you're a player who profiles like him, where teams look at him and say, well, he can be a fourth liner, you know, sure. He may not be in our top six tonight, but he can be an energy guy. Well, the thing about being an energy guy is you're, you're, role shifts game to game, right? You're not necessarily going to have like a stable uh, ice time, um, a level of ice time every day. And you're a guy that people remove from the lineup because that's how people think about fourth liners. Like what I'd love to see this organization do for Pod Colson is, you know, and honestly, I mean, two years too late, but better late than never is like carve out two regular line mates or at least one regular line mate who he always plays with. And give them 10 minutes of ice time a night and, and do it for like three months. Do it for three months. He's never scratched, right? He, he, it's, it's just like, no matter what happens, we're going to find out what this guy is. And it's, it's not unlike Bo Horvat, you know, gets saddled with Derek Dorsett in that first season, right? And, and it didn't matter if he was good or bad. They were going to get 10 minutes. And, I mean that granted that was Willie D just not thinking about who he was putting out, but nonetheless. And <laughs>
2: you've all signed up for hockey, so you're all gonna get equal lifetime.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it but it mattered, right? Like it mattered and you saw Bo Horvat in the second half of the year start to like produce.
3: Mm-hmm. And then he had a
0: great playoffs. And then, you know, I don't think we have any question that he managed to maximize who he was. And you contrast that with like the Jared McCann development path in Vancouver, which was like completely haphazard all over the place. One day he's on the second line. One day he's out of the lineup. Um, you know, it's not really communicated clearly to him. And, you know, he, he also managed to figure it out, but it took him a lot longer. And it, you know, took him moving multiple teams before he became the guy he is today. You know, you don't want that route for Pod Colson, You want the Bo Horvat route. And I do think that requires the team to be thoughtful and disciplined about his role in deployment. And he's really a guy, like, even more so than Niels Hoaglander, I'd say. Um, because with Niels Hoaglander, it seems like really there was just one coach who didn't have a lot of... Like, Boudreau clearly just didn't like his game that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that happens sometimes. But with Todd Colson, it's like across multiple coaches, the thing we haven't seen is just some consistency in terms of his deployment. We also haven't seen it from him, but I do think he's been put in a really tough spot to play the sort of free game that you're, well, that the organization wants from him and that you're looking for from him.
2: Yeah. And the, and the tough thing too, is like, there's such a focus on winning for this team now too. They don't really want to have a guy out there that's, you know, that that you just attach someone to him and hope that he figures it out. Right. Like doesn't, isn't that, isn't that a tough way to think sometimes?
0: I mean, but if you're talking about a fourth line, you know, I mean, (laughs) like, it's not going to hurt your efforts to win, to commit to being like, okay, Teddy Bluger and Vasily Colson, you are always our fourth line, center and wing, you know, we'll rotate another guy in based on performance based on what we need in terms of penalty killing, or maybe we have a top six injury. So it's going to be Sheldon dries because we need someone on PP two, right? Like you rotate the, the third guy can rotate in. You Maybe you find chemistry like, as a versus Jack Stanika or something like that, you know, like that doesn't hurt you. You know, that, that I don't think that's inconsistent with winning anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, And if it is, then you've learned a lot about Pod Colson. Like if it is inconsistent with winning, then he might just be a guy, you know, and and then you you need to know that. So I I just don't think there's a tension necessarily between developing a player like Pod Colson the right way. And the act of winning, like if you're going to win, if you're going to make the playoffs, if you're going to make noise in the playoffs, then what you're certainly what you're certainly going to need is like several players who are materially different in terms of their level of contribution or level of play in, in March. Yeah, than, than they looked last March. I, so I just those, really like, want your best bet for that.
2: I just really want Pod Colson to succeed too because he seems like a hard worker and he seems like the type of guy, if he can figure it out and find his level that he can reach, like the Canucks need guys like that. Like to me, he's like, he's like, you know, even if he doesn't become an elite two way player, Tanner Pearson, Chris Higgins, those types of guys who are those reliable, hard nosed two-way wingers that can win battle along, battles along the boards. Are they going to score 30, 40 goals? No, but they're going to be valuable in all situations out there. The Canucks need more of those guys. They need to develop guys like Pod Colson, and it would be yep. disappointing to me, um, really disappointing to me, if they can't find a way to make the timing sync up so that he contributes for them.
0: Well, and they need size in the lineup short-term too, right? I mean, they are way, way, way smaller up front than the Flames, the Golden Knights, the Kings, and the uh, Oilers. Like, they are way smaller up front. There's there's just way less beef for the Canucks up front. And then you get back into the old thing that we've seen too often from this team where it's like your forwards aren't defensively aware enough and aren't sort of tough enough and your defense isn't fast enough and you're kind of stuck in the mud and have to choose between – playing offensive hockey and playing defensive hockey and you kind of can't do both. That's, that's still the fear I have with this roster. Um, Pod Colson being like leveling up this season uh, or leveling up by the spring could at least help address that to some extent.
1: Drancer. Thanks for doing this today, bud. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week. Thanks boys. Enjoy draft
0: season, Mike.
1: I'm very excited. Uh, a week today, we are having our fantasy football draft. I, you know what I respect about our league the most is that we left the draft until the very last moment. We're doing it the, the day before the start of the regular season. I have, a, I have a deep respect for that. So I'm looking forward to next Wednesday.
0: So, so excited. Cheers, boys. Bye. See you, bud. Uh,
1: Thomas Trance from The Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Coming up, it's what we learn time. How many
3: leagues are you in? Two. Oh, Because you left the Lions game
1: for the uh, different draft, Okay. yeah. That was for my ESPN league. Every that, night's a draft, every night is draft night at the Halford household. <laughs> <laughs> it's just good times and good vibes. I do. See, here's the thing that you might not know so do, you, do you play uh, fantasy football?
2: I play fantasy baseball. Like, the right? draft is the biggest part of the season. draft is the it? biggest part of the it's season. It, so, it, the one yeah.
1: that I went to on Saturday, we've actually taken it offline. And we do it live. We have a big board, and you have to announce your pick. And you, you put play a little
3: jingle when you go. Up yeah, and- I play mm-hmm. the
1: ESPN jingle on my phone. But as I get more and more inebriated, it gets less and less regular. But anyway, and you have to put the sticker up on the board. It took five and a half hours to do the draft.
2: Yeah, the end of the draft, you're like Louis Pasaglia.
1: Yeah, I actually was like, can we just stop? I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired, and we're out of tequila, and I was yelling. But it was a fun night. This is the best of Halford
0: and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.